Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Live from the Algonquin Commons Theater, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and we are live in Ottawa. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. We are going to uh, answer some questions. We have a microphone right around here somewhere, and there's one in the balcony up there as well. Look at those spotlights you just came on and have illuminated the uh, the place to answer your or to uh, actually to ask your questions. If you have if you have some answers, that'd be great too. Because <laughs> we we came with about 17 different answers. And one of them will be applied to your question this evening. <laughs> Howdy, what's your name? Roxanne Goodman. I'm hey, here Roxanne. From, I'm from Ottawa here. Ah, thanks for coming. Thank you for coming. Ah, you're welcome. My question for you is, where do you see yourselves in five years of the impact that you've made in the world? What do you want the world to look like? Imagine your life five years from That's now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I... I, I don't typically think in those terms, and I'll tell you why I don't. There's a specific reason. I tend to look um, one year down the line in most cases. In fact, Ryan and I tend to plan a year in advance. You know, we planned this tour. It's a, a year-long tour. It's, it, I mean, it, we only go out for like four cities at a time, and then we'll go back home. But everything we do for a year will then serve whatever that main objective for the year is, that main project that we're working on, that main creative endeavor that, that we are embarking on. And so the reason I don't look at five years, though, is because if I were to go back five years ago and, and, and had told my 31-year-old self, uh, if I would have told him, Here are the, here's everything that's going to happen in the next five years. You're going to publish this book. You're going to go on a 100-city tour in 2014. You're going to build elementary schools in Laos or fund high schools in Kenya. Or you're going to uh, help the folks from the Orlando Pulse nightclub shooting. If you would have gone and given me this whole list of here are the things you need to focus on for the next five years... I probably would have just thrown my hands up and said, that's way too overwhelming. That's way too much stuff for me to try to accomplish over the, the course of these five years. And instead, I find it's sort of these baby steps where it's sort of like a horizon. Sometimes the, if you, if you uh, are driving somewhere where it's really flat, like Saskatchewan, <laughs> if you've ever made that drive to like Edmonton, it seems like a mirage, by the way. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's just this city there, and I'm like, oh, my God. I hope there's a Tim Hortons. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I, I feel that way. Like, th there's always going to be a horizon, and once I get to that horizon, for me, tends to be about one year, and then once I get to that horizon, it's not like I got there and I'm done. There's just a new horizon now. And so I keep traveling toward that horizon. So instead, the important thing for me is to 
figure out what is the right direction and let's travel in that direction. I will tell you this, I am encouraged by the different types of people who are coming to our events. We have a lot of uh, kids, high school kids, college kids who are showing up to the events now after the documentary came out. And uh, I guess we could probably announce this here now. We're moving somewhere new and we're not announcing it publicly, but it's just between us, right? Um, I know we were moving to Ottawa. <laughs> um, we are, we're going to the place where people go to tell stories. And, and you know, we were able to make a big impact with this documentary we put out. We want to do a lot more video work. And so um, actually in two days, I'm, I'm moving to Los Angeles, California. We could try to alternate here. Do we have uh, another question up top or no? Oh, yes, we do. Wait, can, I, can I give an answer? Nope. Yep. <laughs> Maybe. No, I was just, the only thing I'll say is to looking out from five years from now, I, I actually used to, you know, think five years ago when we started this, I'm like, man, like how, how is this going to have an effect and what kind of, of impact are we going to have and how are we going to put our dent in the universe? And what I'll say is that what I thought five years ago, none of it has come to fruition. It, it has been on, uh, because of that short-term focus that, that Josh was just talking about. And really, you know, at the end of the day, I was, uh, I was raised Jehovah's Witness, like a very strict Christian religion. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of rules that come along with that. And what I've learned uh, up, up to this point in my life is that, you know, for me, um, I'm not going to, you know, prescribe to any one religion or, or, or uh, any any uh, whatever, I am going to try to be like the best person I can be and put as much as I can out there with no expectations. Thanks. And I think it's important to look long term. There's no doubt about that. But when I, when I think about how I used to get caught up in the how am I going to put my dent in the universe? And who, how many lives am I going to be able to, uh, to help? And who, who am I going to help you know, change their, their paths and so forth and so on? When I really think about that, it's kind of like the ego taking over. So now it's, it's, not, um, it's not about, like, I'm so happy y'all are here. Like, I am so happy. But <laughs> thank you. At the end of the day, though, like Josh and I, we don't expect this. And this isn't what we're going for. This is what is happening. And it, it, it is as a result as Josh and I living meaningful lives, sharing our story and, and philosophy. And, and this is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful accident. And we will continue to do this as long as we can. But, you know, five years from now, um, I'll still be living a meaningful life. I know that. We'll go up top here. Howdy, what's your name? Hi, my name is Vanessa. Hey, Vanessa, where are you from? I'm from Ottawa. Welcome. <laughs> I was just wondering if uh, any of the history or the theory behind what minimalism is or any of that stuff is of interest or is it sort of you came across it, you used it, it worked, and then you moved forward with it? Yeah, I'm, I am. Well, it depends what you mean by history as well. So history of the term minimalism, which, which sort of started in the 1960s as a movement in terms of art and architecture, and eventually in the 80s with literature, with people like Laurie Moore or uh, Brady Stanellis, Jay McInerney. But in terms of minimalism or simplicity as a lifestyle, which in the 60s was just called voluntary simplicity, uh, that interests me. But going back even farther than that, you can look at pretty much every major world religion 
and there are elements of living more intentionally, being more deliberate, contributing beyond yourself, uh, getting rid of the excess, simplifying. And then even back to the Stoics, uh, they would often talk about dealing with, um, uh, with distractions and, and temporary deprivation and doing Stoical experiments. And even uh, if you go way back to the ascetics, they believed, and I don't believe in this, but they sort of believed in perpetual suffering was the way to, to bring us contentment. We when, don't have to start doing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah, and also Fight Club. Oh man, um, yeah, I uh, I I kind of like minimalism art, and uh, I've been getting into some music a little bit. Like I love me some Einstein on the beach, um, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I had no idea what minimalism was before I had that conversation with Josh. And when I heard about it, it was this very common sense thing. It was like this, oh yeah, if I don't have this huge mortgage hanging over my head. If I'm not buying a new car every two years, then maybe I won't have to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So for me, when I found out about minimalism, it was really about reclaiming my time, paying off as much debt as I could. I mean, really, I just wanted to be a barista. I was like, man, if I could find a way to live off of you know, $22,000, $24,000 a year, which is very doable in Dayton, Ohio, and be a barista and work part-time, I would be able to reclaim my time to at least allow myself to refocus on the path that I did want to go down. Um, but I certainly have respect for all of the other avenues of minimalism. In fact, if you look it up in, a, in the dictionary, it's, there's nothing about lifestyle in there. It's all about art, architecture, which I love. Um, but, but yeah, for me, it, it, was, it was the lifestyle that I first uh, uh, discovered it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, before, before we move on, if, for folks who are listening to this at home, if you have a comment or tip for anyone who asks us a question today, you can, uh, you can leave us a voicemail message, 406-219-7839, or from your phone, you can send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. I can tell you, it's probably my favorite segment of the entire show is at the very end when we have voicemail callers, and, and they will leave these tips, because one of the reasons Ryan and I go out on the road is to listen and, and to hear other people's perspectives because we certainly don't have all the answers. And I have, in fact, we often have conflicting answers and I think that's okay. It allows me to either change my mind or strengthen my, my point of view. And quite often people call in, they have phenomenal tips for people are asking questions, they have tips correcting us when we are wrong or they just have good resources to pass on to our audience. So always at the end of the episode, we, we usually play a handful of uh, handful of messages. Ryan, do you know what time it is? Oh yeah, man. It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalists lightning round where usually we answer questions from social media, but that would be weird since you guys are here. <laughs> if you all got your phones out right now and all just started tweeting at us, um, then we have failed miserably. But uh, we, we are, for the folks listening at home, we're on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, at the Minimalists. And uh, we, what we're going to do, we usually have like a week to craft a beautiful, pithy, shareable, minimal maxim for you that we can just give to you right now. But we have just a few seconds. So what we'll do is we'll ramble a little bit and then we'll come up with a pithy answer that 
one of you can tweet at some point. We also put all the links to all these in the show notes. And also Jessica puts these on our, we just started a little like side website called Minimal Maxims. It has like hundreds or maybe even thousands of our quotes at this point. What's your name? Hi, um, my name is Kate and I'm from Metcalf. It's like just outside of Ottawa. Hey Kate, thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for being here. Um, and my question, like I was raised as a minimalist, by my dad at least, in terms of material possession. So my question is more about um, finances and college debt. And I know you guys say like no good debt, like no debt is good debt. However, to raise say $40,000 for college, that's 10,000 a year in high school every year. And right now I'm on the path of doing it, but that, that's a lot of 16 hour days on the weekends. That's a lot of like 60 hour weeks during the summer. And wouldn't you think that taking on a bit of student debt and then repaying it would be like a more effective use of your time? No. <laughs> That's a really pithy answer. <laughs> I, I, I will ramble a little bit, but, but the, uh, here, here's what I'll... So what are you going to college for? Um, well, I'm still in high school, but... Uh, right, well, well, I'm sorry, what do you want to go to college for? Probably dental hygiene, so okay. it's a four-year program. And, and that's important to go to college for that because I, I don't let DIY. <laughs> Would you like to practice on Ryan's teeth right now? Um, no, I, I, so that's important. And, and I think it's first important to delineate. If we're going to go to, off to university, is this necessary or, oh, here's my pithy answer for you, but it has little to do with your question. Um, my pithy answer is don't confuse schooling with education. I, 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 I don't have a college degree of, of any sort and um, somehow I still had student loan debt. Um, yeah, and so, so I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this, I, what I was going to college for, what I started taking some class for was like business management, but I, I learned that I was, I already knew the stuff they were teaching because I had gone through it in the real world first, you know, I, I started managing some stores and then some employees and I, I understood the fundamentals of it, I stumbled my way through it and, and that was important. So for folks who listen to this who are considering should I go to college or shouldn't I go to college, uh, the answer is, yeah, maybe. It really depends on, on the route you want to go, but there are other ways to get a great education. It can be internships. It, it can be uh, trade schools. It can be starting your own business. I mean, for me, being an entrepreneur is one of the, the most difficult things, but also one of the most educational things that I can do for myself. That said, yes, you need some money in order to be able to go to university. And there are a couple ways you can do it. But the first thing I would, I would ask you is, is there a dental hygienist who made it through college anywhere in Canada who left college with zero student loan debt? If so, if I were you, instead of getting into debt, I would find some money to pay that person to sit down and talk to them and figure out what their template was. How the heck did you get through four years of university completely debt-free? Because that, we're asking you at age 18, when you turn 18, to sign up for uh, debt that we wouldn't give to any other 18-year-old for any other reason other than, you, you would never just go to a, a, an 18-year-old and say, here's $40,000, figure it out. 
And so I, 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 I wouldn't encourage you to do that as well. By the way, your pre prefrontal frontal cortex doesn't fully develop until you're 25. <laughs> right, but like in terms of, like you can save 10,000 a year every year in high school and then you can go to college debt free, but it's just, you're then working a job where you make after taxes like $9 an hour and so your time doesn't go as far as it would if you took on student loans is what, I'm, is what I mean. Yeah. I, I, I totally see where you're coming from. Um, first off, I just want to say that having like someone in high school at one of our events is like the biggest compliment in the world. So, um, thank you for the support, and I'm I'm so glad that you're here. I had to get a fake ID for this. Nineteen plus. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. I gotta tell you, that is the best use of a fake ID. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, man, I had a real pithy answer, but I'm like totally blanking now. Uh, I, th I think my pithy answer would be this, and I, I want to expound a little bit. Um, <laughs> graduating college with zero debt is going to feel so much better than graduating college with a lot of debt. And, uh, I mean, that's obviously true. But what I'll say is, like, right now, you are, it's, it's, it's important to put those, those hours in. And here's why. It's because living a debt-free life Josh and I have never said being debt-free is easy. In fact, it's really, really hard. And I even talk about that in the beginning of the talk, where I say, hey, this is not a perfect life, and it's definitely not an easy life, but it's a simple one. And we often confuse uh, simple with easy. And simple is not easy. Going with the flow, getting into debt, doing what the norm is, that's easy. I mean, it blows my mind. I don't know how it is in Canada. I don't know how much debt they allow an 18-year-old to take on out of college, but in the United States, I mean, you can get in six figures worth of debt. You can't go buy a drink, but you can, you can get into six figures worth of debt. It's insane. And it's really nice that we have all this freedom, but you know, I'm totally gonna rip this off from Spider-Man, but with that freedom <laughs> comes great responsibility. And you're being really responsible right now. And you are, no, get, clap for her because she's been responsible. <laughs> you know, when I first discovered minimalism, I didn't just quit my job and start a blog. It's like the worst advice anyone could give you. <clears throat> it took me another year and a half to two years <clears throat> to really, really work a plan that I had made and I still was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. I was going to school at the time, and I was writing for the blog. So, you know, minimalism doesn't help you just drop all responsibilities and, you know, give you the, the ability to go live on the beach right away. <laughs> but if you certainly work hard, you can get to, you know, whatever, you, through dental hygiene school, debt-free. And, you know, <clears throat> you are, you're so young, like, you've got the energy now to work. You don't want to wait till you're, like, you know, 22. 
you'll still have energy then, but you know, I wish, I wish that I had your mindset when I was in high school. Like, if I could have saved 10 grand, I was like stressing out how I'm gonna buy an $80 skateboard in high school, <laughs> let alone like saving 10,000 bucks to go to college. I mean, college was out of the question, because I mean, my parents didn't support that. I didn't start college till um, I was in the corporate world. But, but what, I'll, what I'll say is uh, keep doing what you're doing. I know it's hard now, but I promise you, if you put the work in now, you're gonna be so much happier when you get to college. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll go back up top here. Howdy, what's your name? Hello, my name is Joanne. I'm originally from New Brunswick, but I've been living in Ottawa for about 10 years now. Welcome. Thank you for being here in our lovely uh, capital city. Thank you. Uh, I have two questions. The first one is, uh, oh, actually, before I, I start, I got rid of one thing today. I'm doing your Facebook challenge. So I, I got, day one, I got rid of one thing. 30-day minimalism game, for those yes. of you uninformed. <laughs> Congratulations. What'd you get rid of? I'm just curious. I got rid of a computer desk that was in a room that was empty, that was not useful at all. Awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Um, two questions. The first one is uh, tricks and tips when we have trouble getting rid of something in terms of something that's, for me, for example, it's a lot of, oh, well, my mother gave this to me. Maybe one day I'll want to give it to my daughter. Future daughter that I don't even have, by the way. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, this picture really means a lot to me. I'd like to share it with someone or maybe I want to keep it for, to remember. So that's my first question. My second question is how to instill this in children. So how, how do you educate children about minimalism and, and what we can do to, to educate them so that they have that from a very young age? How about you take the first one and I'll, I'll take the kids' question. Okay. You want me to go first? Sure. Um, sentimental stuff is definitely the hardest things to let go. I mean, for me, that was the hardest thing for me to like let go of. After the packing party, um, I was putting stuff in, you know, donate, sell, recycling, and I came across a shoebox with like all these letters that my mom had written me in high school. And like at the time, those letters meant so much to me uh, in, in high school. And the thought of like throwing those letters away it was like, it just didn't feel good. So I was like, no, 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 dude, you're, you're minimalist now, man. You got to like throw this away. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't like quite let go of the whole shoebox of letters. And there was uh, like some pictures of me and my, my prom date and uh, like the shot glass they gave us for our senior prom gift, which is a horrible gift <laughs> to give a senior kid. And uh, what I did is I was like, all right, I'm going to pick a letter. I'm going to read it and I'm going to. I'm going to uh, scan it, and I'm going to throw it away. So I just, like, picked a random letter, and <clears throat> I remember, like, the, the couple opening lines, like, I started to remember the feeling that that letter gave me when I was in high school. But by the time I got to the end of the, of the letter, I did not have that same feeling. It's like the memory of the letter was better <laughs> than, like, experience, experiencing it again in, in my late 20s. And uh, I still scanned it. I, I threw it in the, in, the, in the trash. And I just thought to myself, like, all right, like, that wasn't too difficult. If I, for some reason, can't sleep, I will, you know, get up tomorrow and I will get it out of the trash. 
I didn't even like remember it until I went to go take out the trash the next day or the day after. I was like sitting there on top, and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> there's that letter. So uh, I I didn't end up keeping or even like taking pictures or scanning everything in there. There were just like a few things um, that 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 I had uh, scanned or took a picture of, but I was able to let those those physical possessions go. Now it's funny because like I've never. Well, I guess because I'm one of the minimalists. Like, I don't have this urge to hold on to stuff, like, to pass on down to my kids. Because really, like, when I hear people talk about, uh, like, people will come to our events. There was, there's this one particular time. Uh, these, um, uh, these uh, two, this couple were, was there, and they were talking about how they were going to have to deal with, like, one of their parents' stuff when they pass away. And they, they held on to so much stuff. And they were like, I know my parents did it out of love and they wanted to hand down these memories, but I don't want any of it. And it's really stressing me out. And, uh, you know, Josh and I, you know, I answered her question. And then the next question, there was this older couple and they were like, we're doing that right now <laughs> with our kids. And it is so relieving to hear you say that. So I guess my pithy answer would be, if you don't want to hold on to your shit, your kids definitely don't want to hold on to your shit. <laughs> as far as, as teaching our kids, the thing that, that I've learned the most with, with Ella, who turned four recently, she's on Twitter, at Ella Sandwich, for those of you who want to follow her. It's, it's our version of a scrapbook. It's just one tweet at a time. She says the craziest shit. Um, anyway, I've, I found out that the, my sort of recipe for teaching her is show, tell, show. And, and what I mean by that is I have to show her something via my actions. I have to tell her about it, to explain it to her, especially because she's very inquisitive. She's always asking why. But I need to show her again. And there needs to be consistency among the three. I can't say, don't use your hand to eat that broccoli when I just grabbed the piece uh, off of her mother's plate. <laughs> and so I, I need to be consistent with my actions, my telling, and my actions again. And so I think my, my minimal maxim for you would be your actions shape your child's future self. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. All right, uh, real quick before we move on, we've been doing something uh, new recently. Um, Ryan and I, well, here's, here's the honest truth. You see 5,000 advertisements a day. And we don't want you to see 5,001. And so we refuse to clutter our podcast with advertisements. And so our, our podcast is 100% listener supported. Uh, through a platform called Patreon. And we just started doing these weekly, they've been weekly so far this past month, private podcasts. And this is sort of a private podcast in a way. So I'd like to break away for a moment and do something special, answer a few questions just for everyone here, the 600 people in this room, and then for the people who listen at patreon.com slash the minimalists. We also do live streams and emails and a bunch of other uh, more intimate stuff. And I feel, like, I feel like with those podcasts, we can be, I don't know, a little bit like, I, I feel like 
I can sort of let my hair down, or Ryan's hair down. <laughs> and so let's do, uh, let's do a, pri- a quick, like, mini private podcast for you all and for Patreon. Uh, let's move back to the regular podcast real quick, Ryan. You know, I, I was thinking, uh, as she, as she was talking about the, the uh, in, in the bonus or the, the private podcast, as she was talking about the, the, um, uh, the need and it's the thing you were talking about with expectations, the, the need to always respond, to check, like that pressure, we feel the pressure. Like I know I twitch for the device and that's why I have to remove the, the, the items from my phone, the, the Instagram or, or whatever from my phone uh, from time to time and frequently. And I, I know that that pressure that I feel, it's almost all internal. And... and Quite often, I'm letting other people's expectations drive not just my anxieties, but drive my decisions, and I'm becoming reactive as a result. And so I think quite often what we can do is we can let go of others' expectations, and also, at the same time, we can lower our expectations. Now, that seems weird, and it would be weird for me to just say, lower your expectations, and then goodbye. Minimalism. <laughs> <laughs> but I found the thing that's been so powerful for me, and it's something I still work on all the time, is lowering my expectations but raising my standards. And what I mean by that is, I know I might not get exactly where I want to go when I want to get there, but I'm going to do my best to keep going in the right direction, making sure my daily actions align with my long-term values. And if they do, and if I have high enough standards, I will continue to fail. But that's okay, because I wasn't expecting something to be 100% outstanding all of the time. Let's move on real quick to right here, right now. So we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We're in the middle of this crazy 40-city tour where we give a talk about minimalism, and then we record a live podcast, and we're in Canada right now, but we're going to be all over the states. We've got 40 cities total. Lessisnow.com. We're also going to be announcing some Australia and New Zealand dates really soon for those of you listening at home, and hopefully... If that goes well, a whole bunch of other places. So we're bringing this on the road. Thank you for being here tonight. A few other things we have going on. I'm teaching my, rat, my last writing class of the year. So I, I, I've been writing for a really long time, and I kept getting all of these, these questions about writing, and I would just keep responding via email until it got to a point where I couldn't respond anymore. So I started a writing class about five years ago online. And uh, it was a four-week class, and it's a big commitment for a lot of people. And I realized it wasn't ideal for everyone. So a couple times a year, I do a two-hour How to Improve Your Writing workshop. It's called How to Write Better. Uh, it's whether you're trying to improve your business emails or you know, write the, your first novel. I've had high school students and medical doctors take the class. And um, I think the, the rising tide lifts all boats. And so that's what I try to do with, with that workshop, is try to point people in the right direction of how to write better. If you're interested in that, listening at home, it's howtowritebetter.org. It's October 22nd, and it's the last class I'm going to do for a while, just because uh, I have to say no to some things so I can say yes to the things that uh, we're going to say ne- yes to next year and all these creations. Speaking of creations, Ryan and I are in the middle of building a, 
a film and podcast studio, and that is why we're moving to Los Angeles. We, uh, we're, and we're doing that with the help from you all because we don't take any advertisements, and uh, we're asking that you help us support this, uh, support this podcast. We have about a, a million people who download each episode, and if we could at one point get to just 1% of those people who are willing to help us out, we could create something meaningful. None of the money, zero dollars goes to me, zero dollars goes to Ryan, 100% of it goes to building this podcast and film studio so we can try to spread this message in various ways. We're talking video essays, mini documentaries, interviews, vlogs, improved audio quality. We want to take callers live on the air with the podcast. We want to do a bunch of cool stuff, but we need your help with that. If you're interested, just go to theminimalists.com, click on the donate button at the top. You can contribute one time via PayPal or on Patreon, and you get access to all the live streams and private podcasts and all that stuff that's going on over there. Um, You know who else I want to thank tonight? We had some American Sign Language folks over here. And I didn't get a chance to meet them, so I'm going to give them a hug really quick. (laughs) I almost got up during your talk to do that. (laughs) She's hiding. The other one is hiding. You can't escape. We owe you one hug. We give out hand hugs, too, in case you're... You know, paranoid about the whole hug thing. Uh, I'm just really grateful that we have an opportunity to contribute to, uh, and, and we couldn't contribute uh, sign language, obviously. Um, we would make fools of ourselves. So thank you for being here tonight. And uh, I want to thank the man behind the minimalism as well. We have a podcast producer. He's also our road manager, our tour manager, our operations manager. He is our book editor our uh, podcast editor, he responds to emails, and uh, he's an all-around outstanding guy. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast Sean is hiding somewhere in the shadows. Could not do it without you, Sean. We've been on hundreds of tour stops, and I can tell you that the staff at this theater is top-notch. I mean, unbelievable. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, seriously, uh, Algonquin Commons Theater, I mean, this is, uh, we showed up, we got here like late, and there was traffic coming up from Toronto, and they just walked us right through. They had everything on point. You don't get that at most of the the heavy metal venues that we are usually at. (laughs) Um, But uh, we're really grateful for that. And I also want to thank one other person, and that person's you. I know you spent some money to get in here tonight, and uh, we really appreciate that. But you spent your two most precious resources as well. You decided to spend your time and attention with us this evening. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Ottawa. My name is Courtney, and I'm from Houston. I just recently started listening to your podcast, and they're really bringing a lot of value to my life and helping me 
realize how much of a consumer I am. Um, I actually just got done listening to your consumerism podcast. And one tip that I had was I found Roxbox. It's a subscription that kind of lets you rent jewelry. So it still satisfies my consumer need where I want to purchase the new and hip fashion, but I wear the jewelry for as long as I want. And then I send it back for someone else to use and get value out of. And it's only like $10 a month. So there's other subscriptions out there similar that I found are kind of awesome that you can rent your clothing and jewelry through. Hi, Josh and Ryan. Uh, my name is Doug Dolphin in Cambridge, Wisconsin, and I have a comment about uh, the caller Jesse from the Budget Podcast. And so here it is. Uh, I, Jesse said that his, you know, he kind of raised a question like maybe his parking tickets got out of hand, and I just you know, want to say that I really think they did get out of hand, especially if he was calling into, uh, you know, a podcast for help with them. So, you know, a little bit of real life, I think Jesse has to face up to that. And just one caveat uh, before I go any further. So the town I live in, uh, it's a pretty small town in the Midwest in Wisconsin, and maybe Jesse's calling from a larger city like Chicago or San Francisco where I hear you know, parking is kind of a game and uh, really requires a lot of time and uh, effort to accomplish. So maybe we're coming at this angle from two different uh, perspectives. But I think I have some useful advice for Jesse, so I'm going to offer it. Um, so if you have issues with paying parking tickets, I think there is a fundamental issue with you know, your life, uh, because the opposite, you know, not getting parking tickets when you go to park your car, all it requires is basic reading, uh, comprehension, and, and obeying signs. And so, if, you know, it, it sounds to me that that's the real issue here. He's having trouble, you know, keeping an eye out and uh, being on top of things in order to not get parking tickets. And... So if, if this is the problem, I think Jesse, you know, when he goes out driving uh, and he's going to park his car, he needs to really work on increasing his awareness of his surroundings, you know, uh, in order to see the, the parking signs and obey them. And, you know, this could also uh, require him to set up reminders, you know, maybe on a calendar that when he does go out, he has to think about this issue because obviously it's something that is negatively impacting his life, so he has to uh, heighten his awareness and prioritize not getting parking tickets. Hey guys, this is Nick from Evansville, Indiana. I just wanted to uh, to give you guys a shout out and really thank you for, for what you've done. Um, I just really got introduced to you guys here recently, and uh, in implementing some of the things that you guys have talked about, I was able to get rid of old furniture and old knickknacks and DVDs and things that were just filling up my house. Um, and in getting rid of all those items, I was able to accumulate around a thousand dollars in selling it on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. And with that money, I was able to fund the road trip that I'm now on. I'm on day five of this, of this road trip, uh, going all over the U S and, uh, that wouldn't be possible if, if I hadn't implemented 
this system that you guys um, helped me to do. So um, I just want to thank you guys so much for for that and um, tell you guys that I'm loving the the minimalism um, lifestyle. And uh, thanks again, guys. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear.